Okay, let's not beat about the bush. We're doing solo. Uh, slight, slight peek behind the scenes, folks. We're doing solo for the second time because uh, reasons. So uh, second time's the charm, eh? <laughs> so, so we've had to scrap that episode, and now we're coming back to do this again, which means we have now both watched Solo twice for this project. And of all the films within this project that you perhaps want to watch twice, I don't think Solo would be the one <laughs> we would choose. Um, I will, however, say, and, and just my hot take remains my hot take, I still enjoy this film a lot more than I think I expected to. And even on a second viewing, I go, you know what? This is not the worst film in the Star Wars saga. So, cards on the table here. This is not the worst film in the Star Wars saga, but it is the most forgettable film in the Star Wars saga by a really long way. I think the problem with this film is it shouldn't be a film because what you have here is a really, really good Disney Plus limited series. Ten episodes, maybe two seasons. Give it the Andor treatment. And I honestly think... This would be fucking amazing. This would be top tier. You've, you've got the whole introduction to the dark underbelly of Corellia, and 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 you know who is Han Solo? Because I'm not. I'm I'm just ignoring this whole gets his name from the thing. But you, who is Han? Him growing up. The introduction to you know being a scoundrel. Then you've got him joining the military, being an imperial pilot, flunking out, being sent to be a basically a, 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 an infantryman, a ground pounder, a. Um, you know, a, a mud trooper, I think, is what they call. I mean, that in of itself is a really interesting little two, three episodes of a show. Then you've got going on his first heist with Beckett, uh, and you know, kind of learning the trade and, and, and introducing to all that. And, and you've got so many great little vignette moments in here, which are fantastic. But because it's a film, it's just like bam, 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 and it means, as you say, you've forgotten the good stuff. And the interesting stuff, because it's moved on to other stuff, which is less good and less interesting. Uh, this this should have been a series. I actually don't think we needed a Han Solo movie at all, or a Han Solo series. I think, as a character, he was really encapsulated in the films, and I think any expansion on him, much in the same way expansion on Boba Fett, doesn't work, because actually you see that maybe they're not the most interesting. And that's a big problem with this movie, is Han Solo is not the most interesting person in the Han Solo movie. Um, by a huge, huge, huge long way. Um, yeah. But what I, this I, film... I, will say, I will say, I just want to very quickly say, I will say, this film could be in, in, improved massively if you just took Han Solo out of it. So so the entire film is just how Lando and Chewie and, and everyone else kind of gets to know each other. And then you just bring Han in at the very end coming to the gambling thing. That, that's, that, that, that would be much better. That is not to say it is badly acted. The actor who plays Han Solo is fantastic. I have no bad word to say about him and his performance. It is not on him that this movie is a bit... Eh? He got the mannerisms down so well that at the time, uh, I recall someone did a deep fake where they basically put a young Harrison Ford's face over him. And he's got the little mannerisms and the way he walks and moves absolutely down pat. But the thing which takes him out more than anything else for me is the voice. It's just, it's just Harrison Ford. Harrison, Harrison Ford has a very distinct voice, and 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 that's perhaps the only thing which, which takes it out. But as you say, uh, Alden Ehrenreich's performance absolutely amazing. Zero problems with it whatsoever. But it is fair to say this movie, this this film is good. It is not a bad film. It is a solid six out of ten for me as a film. However, there are lots of better films that it's not delivering. 
is my feeling. There's lots of much better stories around the story that we are following. You know, Kira's story is really interesting, but we only see a bit of it from Han's point of view. And I have other issues with, with, with that character, but, you know, the Marauders are fascinating. Yes, please give me more content about the Marauders, but they're kind of like a bit side part. And you I, think, know, I, think, the, I think we find out. I think we find out more about uh, uh, Kira in the comic where we find out where she got her red arm. Oh, excellent! Yeah, <laughs> another red arm situation. Um, the train heist is excellent and was a really good solid sequence. And the stuff in the casino with Lando was a really good solid sequence. And the war stuff at the start, I really loved. But they do not string together one cohesive film. What they string together is a load of jumping from A to B to C. It is like we are playing different levels of a video of the Han Solo video game and in each level you have to collect part of Han Solo so in this level tick you've collected the Wookiee in this level tick you've collected the Millennium Falcon in this level tick you've collected his blaster that's how it feels it's it's too procedural in its aims I think is the problem and that leaves no space for nuances or for breathing this film has no space for characters to really have conversations you know you could see kira's double crossing betrayal like from the start of the film when she got left behind if nothing was subtle i don't mind that it wasn't subtle but don't then expect me to have some great oh wow what a cool man i hadn't you know i'm not that's not then going to give me any emotional response because you then haven't given the characters to have time to have those emotional conversations you know her saying to han I'm just behind you. Okay, well, no one believed that except Han, but we then got robbed of a really good conversation between the two of them. I feel the act, I think, and that's what it, and that's what it is. The actors in this film were not given the opportunity to act the roles. They played the roles, but they felt like puppets being sent on a journey rather than actors being able to give us the characters. I, I think uh, a lot of that. Or, or, I mean, this is, I think is all of the Star Wars films, with the possible exception of Rise of Skywalker. I, I can see uh, notes from the studio, very present. Uh, famously, this was originally to be directed by Philip Lord and Christopher Miller, who did uh, the Lego Movie, the Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Uh, who who I, I definitely think and Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty One Jump Street, and, and they can do a really good little ensemble piece with a lot of heart, uh, and 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 tell a great entertaining story i mean wikipedia describes this film as a space western and i would love to see their take on a space western i think they could have done something very cool you know firefly is a very beloved show for many of us but is of its time i i I think you could do something really really cool and interesting and they have done cool and interesting stuff in that kind of space western space in the mandalorian and it, it would be fantastic but Disney had this problem at the time of hiring great directors who have unique voices and then getting pissy when they wanted to tell their stories. You know, it's got to be, you must fit into the Disney box and make the Disney film. And as a result, um, they get fired and it just leads to a kind of confused mess. And I think that's... I'm interested to see when we watch Rebels um, if we have the same situation where... um, because that was obviously very changed and the director was kind of ousted and stuff. I want to see if we have the same kind of opinion on Rogue One based on on this. Um, I don't think so, but that's because I know Rogue One better than I know this movie because this movie just... 
I think with this film, obviously Rogue One did really well at the box office um, and this one didn't. And this this was the first Star Wars film I have not seen at the cinema since I was old enough to see them at the cinema. And that isn't because I don't love Star Wars or love science fiction or fantasy or even, hey, I even like a good Western and a good war movie. But I don't care about Han Solo as a character. As a character? I'm doing it now, Andy. I, I was going to say, we're, we're, just, we're just racking up as many pronunciations of Han Solo in words this episode <laughs> as we can. Um, <laughs> I want... I, I personally did not care about Han Solo enough to spend my 20 quid to go and see the Han Solo movie. Is the short of it. And I think there were lots and lots of people that felt the same. You have to think, at this point in time when this came out, we he'd just been killed off in well, uh, Force Awakens. Actually, let's, no, no, no. Let, let's actually go back to... two two. So this film came out in 2018, I believe, yes? So, was it so as recently cast, as that? It was 2018. Let us cast out some... So 2018. This is in the wake of The Last Jedi. Oh, yes. Do you remember how utterly utterly toxic the fandom discourse was after that film came out online I remember all the way through 2018 uh, for, for, and look you know we, we put our cards for the table we, we both love The Last Jedi uh, there's a lot yeah, of very very about it. we did there's a lot of very vocal people though who do not like that film and it became so incredibly entrenched and incredibly tribal this was the first film that was to come after that and I remember at the time, there was a lot of pushback. There was, oh, we have to send a message to get Kathleen Kennedy fired. There was a lot of other stuff going on around this film at the time, with Lord and Miller being fired. And then uh, you also had the news Colin Trevorrow was being fired around the same sort of time. I say fired. They, they, they decided to part and go different way because of creative differences. They were fired. Uh, there was just a whole lot of other stuff going on in, in the zeitgeist at the time. So I really do feel that the scales were tipped against this film from the very start. Plus you oh, had... massively. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think you, you had Disney... And I'll say panicking, but that's the wrong word because they're still making all the money on the fucking planet. But, you know, they've got... The, they, at the time as well, you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the height of the Infinity Saga. They've just had uh, the first one, Infinity War, I believe. Um uh, is that the first one? Well, you, you've got you're building to this massive crescendo. The films are making billion dollars, and and I think you have a situation where this should have been, well, it should have been a TV series. But if it wasn't to be a TV series, it should have been a mid-budget movie. But Disney doesn't do mid-budget movies. It does billion-dollar movies, or it's a failure. And with all that expectation loaded upon it, and the fandom being so fractious and just looking to kick up a stink for whatever reason, uh, and one, uh, I think there was some pushback at the time because, uh, you know, when we had uh, Carrie Fisher passing, the, the digital Tarkin, the digital um, um, layer, uh, they were going like, oh, we promise we're never going to recreate uh, actors with digital ones anymore, so we're recasting instead. It, it was just a toxic mess out there. And I think a lot of that fed into why it performed so poorly at the box office. I don't I think, think the film on its own is as bad as the box office suggests. I agree. The film is not as bad as the box office suggests. The audience had Star Wars fatigue. And 
this was the this was a point in time where Disney were churning them out. Like there was six months after the Last Jedi, and it was a year before um, Rise of Skywalker. You mm-hmm. know that it's such a tight, compressed time when people were used to waiting three years for a Star Wars film. You know, in the age of the prequels, it was three years in between. Um, I think the the melting pot was was heavy and as you say i think it was massively stacked against solo and fundamentally this is an average mid-budget action movie it is not revolutionary it doesn't progress any stories because it's a prequel and we've literally in you know in in 2015 saw them kill off han solo anyway so for me i have to say this film watching it now reminds me a lot of the black widow film that disney made Hmm. No, that's, that's a very apt comparison. That's they, very waited, apt, yeah. they waited too long to make the film about a beloved character, and they waited till after the character was cat dead in mainstream canon to go and make a prequel. And I think the Black Widow film was actually better. I think it had more nuance, um, but obviously that had its own pandemic issues and and stuff. But I think read the audience and you know work out is this the time to be releasing this and but as you say disney's not going to do that if it doesn't make a billion dollars it's a flop for disney now and that is a problem with disney owning all these huge franchises yeah i mean not just disney as well just you know movie studios as, uh, as a whole they don't do mid-budget films anymore and you know that, that is the a age problem of that stuff was, the, yeah. the age of mid-budget movies is, is is dead it makes me super sad but if you want to see mid-budget movies you have to tune into um streaming services because that's the only place you're going to get them that's, which that's where as, we've as moved we've, to yeah, as we've already said, this is very much a film which I think belongs on a streaming service. I think if this film had not come out when it did, but they were committed to doing uh, a solo story, uh, in, in the wake of how well The Mandalorian was received, and with The Mandalorian, let's not forget, that came out of the aborted Boba Fett standalone film because um, there was this whole... Uh, Josh Trank, I think, was slated to direct that film, and uh, Fan Forstick massively underperformed and uh, there was some controversy going on around that and then they decided to just put that to one side and so Solo was moved up the Obi-Wan film was in um, mired in uh, you know will it won't it for, for the longest sort of time but The Mandalorian did great guns um, the problem there is though the Obi-Wan film the Obi-Wan series should have been a film and Solo should have been a series and I think if, if you just flip those two around I think both would have been much better received I, I, I mean honestly if you put this time I'd put out the Obi-Wan movie where it's you know calling back to that prequel era which was already having its resurgence and everyone was kind of falling in love with it again uh, Ewan McGregor charming motherfucker that he is G- give me that film when this one came out instead I think the f- reaction would have been a lot more positive with this film they tried to tell too much with the Obi-Wan series they didn't tell enough it, as you say it's the wrong way round but I feel mm. we've digressed away from the film and I think that's we're, we're, we're yet again not because, talking about because, the film it's because we've already done this once <laughs> that's true um, yeah so starting at the start yet another film about fucking space fuel I actually think Star Wars is more about space fuel than it is about anything else I mean, you're not wrong there. I mean, again, I don't know if you listen to this, Eric. Love you very much. But once again, Space Fuel, it's a thing. It's Star Wars. Uh, although this came out after The Last Jedi, so I suppose you could probably plunge me with that. But yeah, my, 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 my point still stands. Uh, I, mean, I mean, my big note for the beginning of is um, it's very blue, Coruscant. <laughs> it kind of seems... <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the hidden away place with the, uh, the worm lady. 
thing. The, uh, they, make the, a lot the of, <laughs> they make a lot of interesting visual choices in this. And the main one appears to be that they edited the entire thing with the monitor set to half brightness. Yes. <laughs> this is a dark, visually dark movie for reasons that don't have any clear sense to me. Um, I can't work out if it... I, I, it doesn't feel like it was a decision at any point to be made this way. Mm. Um, it just happened, um, which is disappointing uh, because you then... It just doesn't... It doesn't... Again, it just adds to another bit of the... Eh, it's another action film. Um, can, can I just give a massive plus to this film, though, which... And I want to be clear, it's because of the time it was made and nothing of no other reason. But it's clearly not been filmed on a volume. It's because they didn't have a volume. But it's nice that it feels like they have used sets and locations rather than just filmed it in the volume. I would agree. That's because you watched Full Round All Mankind with me the other day, isn't it? And uh, there was clearly some <laughs> stuff there that you're like, oh, that's been done in the volume. Yeah, um, yeah but, but, but it, was, it was a big complaint with the Obi-Wan show as well. It is very clearly filmed in the volume. And the volume is amazing technology and it works really well. But when you look at things like this and like Andor and you have a, and, and Rogue One and this feeling that they're actually in locations and in spaces and in places, it's like, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot more real and it's a lot more visceral than they're standing in front of. I mean, look, it's, the volume is better than the green screen we had in Attack of the Clones. God knows that. But it's still no substitute for actually being in physical places. I am interested to see long term how the volume has an effect on filmmaking um, and if it's actually for the better, because I think it's going to be for Disney a cheap cheap way out of doing things um, rather they are going to substitute live locations for a volume rather than substituting green screen sound stages for a volume um, but we'll wait and see so the first tableau of this movie is the uh, the chase and then the the worm lady with Han no second name and Kira Good sequence, nice. Does well, it's fun and it's fun and it's nice, and it and it kind of calls back to to both you know Ron Howard and George Lucas's origins in American Graffiti. It really has that feel of hot rod racing. Uh, you know, it illicitly there's there's a great moment when the uh, stormtrooper on the bike starts chasing after them. I enjoyed the chase. I like the speeder. Uh, it, it's fun and interesting. As is always the case, my biggest complaint is we don't spend enough time to really get a sense of a world. And Corellia is a world that is kind of steeped in Star Wars lore. You know, it's where they build the Star Destroyers. I think we spend more time on Corellia in Ahsoka than we did in this. That's because there's no time to spend on anything in this movie. Yes, um, yes you're right. I think, I think my biggest complaint with this start section is we don't get enough of Kira mm, yeah. at all. Um, for her to be so alright cards on the table I think she's well acted I think Emily Clarkson does a really good job but I think it's a really lazy trope to have the the femme fatale you know love interest switch sides um, when we haven't been given the opportunity to get there to get that beforehand you know we don't get to know her enough at the start to feel like she is jaded um and those three years when harm was away what happened to her it's it's it we just don't get enough time with that character it and also it softens harm too much i feel i mean I, I was thinking about this earlier on you know you know if i was to make this film uh i i would almost have her and beckett swap places 
Absolutely. Absolutely, you're right. Right, I, right down to Han shoots her, him, at the end without hesitation because I want to establish Han as a scoundrel, as someone who will do right, anything. Okay, okay. For a buck. Han Solo's a good guy in this. Yeah, that's the problem, you see. Yeah, they literally, she's like, you're one of the good ones, Han Solo. Well, what's the fucking point in calling him a dangerous smuggler then? Because he's clearly fucking not. He's clearly got a soft heart and everything else. And that just, it undermines the main Han Solo character from the original films. It's it basically, makes- this, this, this gives us Han Solo at the end of Return of the Jedi, but before Star Wars. And, and what, you, what you have then is a, a suggestion that there's a massive regression in that character, but we don't see it. And as always... If that's the case, if he starts off as a good person and he becomes this jaded, cynical smuggler, show us it. Him shooting Beckett because Beckett was about to shoot him is 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 not the um, uh, uh, the the, uh, the moment you think it is uh, movie in in making us think that oh he's 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 well armed now and he'll do what he what it takes he to survive. He should have shot Beckett <laughs> in the back. It should have been a coward shot rather than mm. a, a standoff. And I like that little Western tableau again, but it's. It just, there's too many missteps in this film for it to be a Mm -hmm. Star Wars film, for it to have the budget it had, to have the quality of the cast in this. I think this is some of the best cast, known actors they've had in a Star Wars film. Um, Rogue One, from memory, doesn't have that amount of kind of pre pre-known talent I mean if you're talking big names I mean this one definitely kind of tops it you know you've got Woody Harrelson as Beckett there you've got uh, Emily uh, Clark Newton uh, Emily Clark uh, Donald Glover Phoebe Waller-Bridge you've got Paul Bettany there as Dryden Voss who was a last minute replacement for Michael K. Williams who when they decided they had to go back and reshoot 70% of this film was no longer available so they basically had to completely recast and he recast with Paul Bettany who is a delight and is enjoying that great British tradition of Star Wars films of British actors chewing all of the scenery there's none left by the end of this movie there's none none at all Paul has eaten the lot yes Um, and and, and I have to say I think it's great he goes a long way to keeping my interest in, in, in the film making it as entertaining for me as it is because every time he's on screen it's just a delight oh yeah oh yeah he's having a great time and I think that's the thing. You can see some of the actors are having a great time. Um, but I guess Paul wasn't jaded by 70% of reshoots. Um, but yeah, I think I think going back to Kira, it, she is misused as a character in this film. And mm. again, she's given no time to have any heart-to-hearts with Han Solo at any point whatsoever. You know, there is no indication of their closeness of their relationship, you know, is she also Kira Solo? Is actually the word solo given to all the orphlings or foundlings on Corellia? Yeah. You know, give us That'd that. Be better. That would be really <laughs> cool. You know, that's that's how it used to work in kind of Victorian England and stuff like that. You know, that's why there's so many people called Smith. And you know, that was the that was Snow in in Game of Thrones was the same. And yeah. you know, there's so that's a well worn fantasy trope. And you know, that would be that would be interesting you know to me that'd be so much more interesting if when he stood at that booth you know to conscript um weird pro-army message in this movie um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah stood there to conscript he said han and they said family name he said solo and he goes nah one of the foundlings or something like you know yeah. there's <laughs> that would take up the same amount of screen time but give us so much more weight to the characters and explain so much that it doesn't need to explain 
you know, and <laughs> Kira is a character I want more of, especially where she ends up at the end. You know, the most interesting thing she does in this is she kills her mentor and, and, and master um, and, and fucks off to work with Darth Maul. Um, hello, where is that miniseries, please? Because that... once, once again, uh, it, 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 it is a comic. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so um, a comic that's hidden behind a, uh, a Marvel comics, you know, ninety pound a year. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you can go and so... find it at the comic shop, but it's, it's just again, it's comics. People are not going to go and read the comics if they want to watch the film, and you're right. <laughs> Do it as a Disney Plus show. Especially when you have that acting talent behind it. I can understand if you were using unknown actors or, you know, if it was a case of, oh, you know, this was a one-off performance or whatever, but it's not. This is is solid actors where you know you can get that level of of detail and work. And why the fuck get these people? Why get Emily Clarkson, one of the hottest Hollywood celebrities at the moment, why get her as such a good actress to come and play this one bit part in this one movie? Because that's a waste of that actor again, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I could just assume it was, you know, part of it. It was just throwing up the acting talent, which fair enough. Um, it, I, I, what, what kind of annoys me as well? You've got the um, uh, Beckett and his crew, which I think is really cool. And and you know, there's sorry, there's I believe and they disappeared. But that's the thing. There's a great relationship there. You know, I want to know more about the relationship between Beckett and, Ma- and, and Val. Uh, you know, I like Rio with the, um, you know, the four-armed thing who, who, who is doing the old trope of being inside the uniform of a stormtrooper. You know, it's, it's the two monkeys um, on top of each other. I, th- I think that is great. I, I'd love to spend more time with them and, and let Chewie and Han spend some time with this crew and you know become part of it that's a great western trope again and it'll be really fun to kind of see Han and Chewie actually get to know each other rather than just you know Han gets thrown into the pit with the beast uh, decides that they're friends and then hey we're going on adventures now I mean I don't think that quite qualifies you for a life debt no uh, and I liked the callback to the Rancor pit with that but and I liked the subversion of that but at the same time okay Where's uh, where's the Twenty One Jump Street movie about Han and Chewie? Because that's what kind of I was expecting. Yeah, you know, they meet, keep the first bit the same. They meet and then make the train. The train heist is that's a whole movie in itself. You know, whole movies are based around train. Famously, whole movies are based around train heists. Oh yeah, and yet well, it's not even. It's not even like, a whole act in this, is it? it it's, no, it's, it's literally not. it's a set piece. <laughs> and. You know, again, there is no time for characters to breathe. We don't get a time to to care about any of these people or the characters. How cool though was the explosion though with that train went up? Oh my god, it was so cool! <laughs> it was so good. Um, Emphis Ness, I think, again, I I love the idea of, of you have this pirate there, and and it turns out that it is the the formation of the uh, you know it's the very very first. Um, seeds of a rebellion uh, and and i like the idea that you know over the media we would have been getting these hints before it became a, a whole but once again nothing's been done with it since and it's just such it, it feels like it was put in there just to do a tick box and and i hate to use for comparison because it, it's often used by people on the right but it feels it was put in there just to be finger quoting woke nothing against uh, the actor have playing the role it's more though it doesn't feel like it's organically in this film it's just like it's a side thought that's just been kind of dropped in for the sake of it it feels like they needed to get their Warwick Davis quota in this movie so uh, yep 
stuff him in like oh there you go your face is on show in this one enjoy you even got yeah. a line a whole line woo um, yeah I'm really sad the Marauders I really like again it's a strong woman there's lots of strong women in this movie that we either kill off or don't get any time with mm-hmm. um, which is there's very few good women in Star Wars and we've got two if not three in this movie yet they are blink and miss it appearances and that's a shame you know the more when the marauders are introduced um the second time you know when they've got the 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 cargo and they've landed on the ship yeah they play some amazing like samurai uh, asian anime inspired music to go with them and later on you get a very ghost in a shell kind of audio tableau to go with them that is so starkly different from the rest of the john williams wannabe music in this um it was it was a shame and it was like oh that feels like a hint of the film we nearly had yeah I, I, I do love a moment when Han's trying to, uh, to to bluff his way and he's saying yeah that ship over there you know it's, it's, it's full of elite stormtroopers and what have you and it just uh, Lando's just like nope I'm out and just takes off at that moment I thought that was funny Donald Glover is an absolute delight as Lando Calrissian and I, I gotta say I, I think plays Lando Calrissian better than Billy D. Williams does in uh, anything since uh, Empire Strikes Back. I don't disagree. I think he embodies a younger, uh, flashier version of of Lando that makes complete sense that he then becomes the leader of Cloud City later. I can see how he goes from this to that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, you can yeah. see see the progression off screen, and that's okay. And you know, which is something I, you don't see with Han, which is well, probably we have. <laughs> no, because Han ends up in completely the wrong place to be anything other than I just he feels more like he comes out of this film feeling like Luke Skywalker this is the thing isn't it you know because this film is called Solo and he is supposed to be the hero if this had ended with him being the villain it would have been a so much more interesting piece and I think would have fed even further into that kind of western trope where you know you either die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain you know it's, mm-hmm. it's the sense that you know, he, he starts off there he has to you know, become the hero later on. It, it, as I said, it would have been great if perhaps instead of Beckett, it's it's you know, basically replace Kira and Beckett. So they're growing up together. They're going to do this heist, this train heist. It's all going well. Uh, she's going to try and you know screw him. He's trying to screw her. And then it comes down to this you know face off. We can team up together and take over the big boss, and we can get away together. And he shoots her because no, he wants it all for himself. That is who Han Solo is at the beginning of Star Wars. This movie is disappointing and forgettable. I, I, I agree on both fronts. It, it, it's disappointing. I, I, I think I'm still entertained by it. I still I had fun watching it again. It's it's you know throw it on as a as a space western. I'll happily watch it, but it doesn't measure up to the potential that it has in here. There is a great film in here. And I would love if at some point someone who has access to all of the footage from this and from the um, the Philip and Lord cut was, was to cut together a 10-episode series. I think that would be fucking amazing, but it's never going to happen. I mean, I know they shot stuff of Han as uh, a fighter pilot in the Imperial Navy because uh, one of the ships that they uh, later then use in Andor, in fact, a lot of that stuff that ends up in Andor was kind of created for this film. Um, That's really interesting, actually. Well, I, I think 
in the wake of this and then obviously with everything came along with the pandemic i wonder if they repurposed a lot of stuff and a lot of ideas and gave tony gilroy a lot more latitude to make what he wanted to make because they realized trying to force these stories and these directors into a particular box is just not working and obviously disney plus wasn't a thing when this film came out I think that's um, I- that's that's the big thing I've noticed is watching these films now, particularly the Disney era, all the Disney Star Wars films predate Disney Plus as a concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly they were not thinking about it at that point in time, or certainly there was no joined up thinking from the department that was working on Disney Plus to the people making their content. Because I think if they had an inclination that was coming they would not have made the choices they made. I mm-hmm. certainly don't think we'd have got the standalone stuff. I think that I think they'd have uh, they'd have done the Marvel model far more where you've got the the big heavy hitter movies and then the TV series kind of padding out stuff and giving us information around it and it doesn't matter if you don't see the TV series to to watch the movie or in the case of Doctor Strange make the movie. Uh sorry, never not <laughs> never not going to be bitter about how they treat Scarlet Witch. Um you know, I think I think they learned a lot from how poorly this went to impact how they did the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that has now got its own issues um, of oversaturation. But for the most part, I think, you know, this is what they learned from. And they learned from this movie. You know, this movie cut dead every other, uh, you know, in standalone movie they were going to make. Well, I, I think what's very interesting is between this and Rise of Skywalker and the critical uh pushback not 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 box office because rise of skywalker still made over a billion but the critical response to this they have yet not made another star wars film since these i mean let's let's say going to well and and let's look back at what they announced i mean we were lamenting the other day about the paddy jenkins rogue squadron film that we were very excited for is just not going to be a thing anymore they're not making that Uh, i think the taika watiti one is it's potentially still going ahead but who knows there the Ryan Johnson trilogy the one from Benioff and Weiss for Game of Thrones bros that's gone uh, they've announced all of these films and then nothing has happened and I, I feel they're still kind of terrified of the shadow of this film and the rise of Skywalker they should be terrified of the ru- shadow of the rise of Skywalker it was diabolical but, but the, reason it was, diabolical. the reason it was so terrible is because they were trying to appease a very vocal minority of fans yeah, I think Disney has learnt the hard way that listening to the internet is not necessarily the win they think it is, or no. listening to the vocal people on the internet. And I think the game industry does that much better than Disney. You know, you think the game industry that does um, produce stuff that the audiences don't like and they can go and change it, and some some learn from that like cyberpunk 2077 made huge changes based on feedback and the fact that no man's sky yeah um no man's sky is is an excellent example where you know it was released and they've spent the last eight years turning it into something amazing turning into the game it was supposed to be at launch (laughs) oh no i give them a pass on this because it was always an indie game and unfortunately it was an indie game that people got too invested in Uh, yeah that's fair um, but you know, but then you've equally got places like uh, Baldur's Gate and and Starfield who got mass backlash for being woke and having pronouns and queer storylines and stuff. And they have not given a flying fuck about that feedback, and they've just carried on because they're still making the money and people are still playing the games. And I think 
yeah, I think the game industry has has coped with that far better than the film industry and particularly Disney and mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, which is basically the film industry at this point because there's fuck all other studios anymore. Sorry, Paramount. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think I think that is the mistake that they've they've had to learn the hard way. And as you're right, they've now they've got shareholders and they expect they expect their billion dollar movies and when your star wars movie doesn't make a billion dollars why not well actually because this wasn't a million uh, a billion dollar idea you know it's a han solo origin story who thought that was ever you know who thinks that's going to be a billion dollar movie I yeah, guess who wanted it? No one did. <laughs> exactly. I've literally written that on my notes is no one wanted this film. It feels like a greatest hits reel for Han Solo shoved into a film. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically it. it. It's of all of the the characters in, you know, I, I think for, for for the audience they were targeting, Han Solo is perhaps the most beloved. But equally so, I, I think the reasons why he is beloved would not translate well into a. A film, as I said, you have to paint him in a particularly bad light, and and I think you would then just have people saying, "Oh no, that's not you know the Han Solo I want." It, it's I tell you what, I tell you what, film. There's a lot of comparisons between this and between this and the other. One. Um, Into Darkness, the Star Trek film. I think really, what I think what you have there is again, it's a situation where they decide to bring in Khan as a villain, and then completely misread the character and why the character is how it is and why the fans respond to that character in a certain way they think just by the presence of having that character in there they're on to a winner and then when they realize they made a mistake say oh well you know you don't have to have known the previous character to to enjoy this and it's like well if that's the case then why have you done this at all i i think the studios uh and obviously there's i think it's five six years between into darkness and, and and this but i can see a lot of the same mistakes in both films Oh, well, we can yeah. watch it next year, and and and, and then you can see I was look, right. <laughs> look, I suggest I suggested we did Star Trek next year, and you were like, no. I also suggested no, no, no. It, was, it was Batman. Films. I said no. <laughs> I also suggested Star Trek, but yeah, I think I can I can see your 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 the, I can see the point you're trying to make. I'm not sure I completely agree with the 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 compa- the comparison of the two, but I but I, I agree with the broad term that you're making. So you don't agree with a comparison, except that you do. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically what you said to me the other day. I don't agree with you, but I do. Um, so I think uh, this is clearly a high-budget movie. The costumes are brilliant. The effects are really good in this, actually, as well. Yeah. But these are things I expect from a movie that costs this much money. Eh. Oh, yeah, and, and it's been filmed twice. <laughs> and watched twice, in our case. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> but equally, I... I I walk away from it feeling nothing at all. I don't even feel angry about the stuff that I want to be better, like I do in Rise of Skywalker and some of the others and Revenge of the Sith. Oh, fuck that movie. Um, you know, no, I Revenge don't... of the Sith is good. It's, it's Rise of Skywalker, the shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Padme, Padme died, didn't she? She lost the will to live. Um, this also, for me, feels like the least Star Wars movie out the lot. But I don't know. I don't know if that's because it doesn't have as many touchstones as the others do. I mean, there's no Jedi in it, is there? So. Except at the end when there is Darth Maul the Sith. Um, He's not a Jedi. I said Sith. 
but yeah, there is no, there's no. I think there's no force in this film at all. No one is force sensitive, or there's no, there's no connection to kind of the religion of the Jedi at all. Um, it doesn't feel like it's in the world of Star Wars, and by that I mean when you watch Rogue One, they've painstakingly gone to the extent of making it look like every prop there is something that might have been found out the back of Elstree Studios in the 1970s, even if it's oh, yeah. a new build. You know, um, you've even got the shuttle pilot running around with a pair of old uh, school safety goggles on, you know. It, it feels in that kind of shonky, this film was made on a bit of a budget uh, and things are slapped together and, and, and that's how it is. This film, in a way, feels too slick and I think that's most apparent with the Millennium Falcon. Because, let me tell you, after watching this film, and what we see of the Millennium Falcon in the original trilogy, I am not touching any of the walls in that thing because, <laughs> what have you done, Han? Yeah, how long is it meant to be between this and A New Hope? Because what the fuck has he done to this poor, poor ship? This sentient poor ship, by the way. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll get to the joy bit in a minute, but let's just let's just frag on a Falcon for a bit. <laughs> right, <laughs> I, I, there's no, there's no bones about it. I don't particularly like the Millennium Falcon as a ship, so. You don't like the Falcon as a ship. You don't like the uh, the Skywalker lightsaber. Is there anything you like about this franchise? <laughs> Do you know what? That's a conversation for the next couple of days. I think. Um, okay. <laughs> no, no. I I think the, my problem with the Falcon is is the same one I have with the lightsaber. It's just the MacGuffin that's used all the time when there are literally other versions of things in existence. You mm-hmm. know, we have other ships in Star Wars. We have other lightsabers in Star Wars. Um, less so, I guess, with the ship. But it just. I think I'd have preferred less of the Millennium Falcon in this. I'd prefer it if he won it right at the end in that match. And we just, the last shot was him blasting off with Chewie in it. And then we didn't have to worry about what the fuck happened to this actually really decent looking cargo vessel beforehand. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. Um, but but it reminds this is only me supposed of... to be what five ten years before is it oh I, I I found that really difficult as well I had no concept of how long the the time period was meant to be from one to the next from this to a new hope hmm. I was really you know is it you could have told me it was thirty years and I'd have believed you if that you know there was no I I, I I honestly I don't know how much time is set between them but you're right it, it feels like it's just in it's in the before time but between times um, it, it's it, 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 it just feels it feels adrift and it feels Star Wars adjacent almost in, in, in how it's presented it doesn't feel like it is that lived in universe that we have and, and that's nothing against, once again, the costumes. And, you know, you've got Star Destroyers are present, you know, Stormtroopers are present. Uh, but it just doesn't doesn't feel real, does it? Which is a weird thing to say about a fantasy space movie with the space wizards. <laughs> but it doesn't have any space wizards. And it doesn't really do much space stuff either. Mm. It is very grounded, but not grounded in a way that connects it to the wider things. You know, we go... Again, this to me leads it to being it's actually not a bad film, uh, a bad space western. Yeah, it's a bad it's Star a bad, Wars. Yeah, it's and, a bad Star Wars movie. Just, just going back to what I said about uh, Into Darkness previously. You know, Into Darkness is a perfectly fine science fiction action adventure film, but it's a terrible Star Trek movie. These are films which they're well made, they are well produced. There's a lot of good acting uh, that's going on in there, but they just do not get 
the uh, the, the, fr- the franchises and the worlds in which they are they inhabiting. Don't have, they don't have the essence of the mm. of the franchise in them. And, you know, sadly for Solo, we are how many? One, two, three, nine movies before it? There are nine movies before Solo setting up this universe at different points. And that's not counting the Ewoks ones. <laughs> no, and... I think Solo is a poor product of its time. Oh, very much so. Mm. In terms of physically when it was released and the discourse happening at the time and for, for, for Disney. They hadn't yet got to Disney Plus and this would have been a Disney Plus series. And we say exactly the same thing about the... the uh, my comparison again to the Black Widow movie, we'd say exactly the same thing about the Black Widow movie. What it was doing was fine. It was hampered by so many things happening around it, and actually, we'd rather watch six episode limited series on Disney Plus. Absolutely, and and I think what is a shame now is because of this film it exists, we won't get a chance to explore these moments in in other ones. I mean, like I never say never, you know. Woody Harrelson won't turn down a paycheck if they want to, you know, flesh out a Beckett and Val story, which, quite frankly, I would be here for. But uh, there's going to be a reticence to revisit it because they will look at this and say, "Oh, it was a failure." therefore we don't want to touch this period this world tell these stories i mean there was a lando movie that was mooted for a long time i think that's now looking like it's going to be a disney plus series but i've also heard it might be a movie because you know donald glover is great as lando but the longer it takes and the further away we get from this the less i think it's likely to happen i'd be up for a donald glover series um i don't think it's going to happen I think Disney are too scared and even the Disney Plus stuff isn't doing that well anymore particularly for Marvel but we know that knocks on well I say particularly for Marvel Ahsoka had mixed reviews apparently Um, people didn't like the last series in The Mandalorian the Boba Fett thing was odd and people didn't like Obi-Wan you know Star Wars has not done as well TV wise as I think they were hoping well I I think this all comes back again to uh, saturation there's there's Mm -hmm. only so many hours in the day to watch things and look you know I, I love a good burger but if I have nothing but burgers non-stop for a week by the end of that week I'm going to want a salad and and that's kind of what it feels like right now they just keep churning it out because it's it's not about stories anymore as it's, it's about content uh, we've done podcasts about this in the past go look them up but it's, it's very much the sense that they're just churning out content because they want people to be watching it to be subscribed to it so they could turn around to their shareholders and say look how many subscribers we had in this quarter oh yes 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 we're going to do a stock buyback give you lots and lots of money oh yum 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 I think Solo is the tipping point for for me for Star Wars moving from creative stories to content for all I dislike a lot of elements of the prequels it is the sequels and particularly this movie where that change was made you know for all the the prequels weren't necessarily that good they had heart or they were lovingly made even if not well made I, I weirdly enough because they haven't made any films in a while I, I feel like I'd be ready for a Star Wars film to come out if it was an event again but the problem is I don't think it can do that without the expectation of okay what's next like even before it comes know. out I don't know I'm hoping the Barbie Heimer of the summer and the D&D movie which did get a lot of hype and did get people into the cinema I'm kind of hoping that's inspired Disney maybe to give a Star Wars movie a go um but I wouldn't want to see it before 2026, 27 at this point. Like, give it well, time. Yeah, give people a chance to make the thing as well. That's our, the other half of the problem, isn't it? You know, don't set the release date and then start making the film. Make the film, then release it when it's finished. But um, that's not the I, Disney way. It's not. And I just wanted to go back to the point you were just making there about, you know, uh, this being the tipping point. 
it, it, in my mind, I think it's very interesting that we went from the absolute high watermark of The Last Jedi, which I, I will keep saying it, best film in the Star Wars saga, off a cliff to such a rapid degree. Uh, I mean, that's one hell of a whiplash there. I don't think it's this film's fault or, or, or the people who made it's fault. I think it's just a sign of the times. And I think that's the way these things happen. Um, but if I, this I, I had you... come out, if this had come out on Disney Plus at the start of 2020, they'd scrapped a cinema release and done it straight to Disney Plus in the pandemic, people would have loved it. I think so too, yeah, I do. Um, even as a three-part series, I think this would have been great. A three-part, a three-part, forty-five minute per section, or even an hour—you know, an hour per per part. Three-part would be brilliant. First part, he's in the army. Middle part's the train heist. Third part is the um, Kessel Run. The Kessel Run and the Marauders. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent three-part series. Same actors, same quality. Much better, much better laid out. Release one a week, you know, or one every two and a half weeks, so people have to do two months of subscription to pay to watch it. That's yeah. that's the way to do it, and, and, I, we have- and I, I think people would have a really really positive response to it because each of those moments in of themselves are fantastic. Yep. Oh yeah, that is to me that is the way to to do this. Um, but that's not the way they did do it, and it doesn't look to be the way they're going to do it. And Disney appear to be trying slash doing different things again. I look at Marvel because it's their other huge property that has this amount of IP, and they've obviously done the uh, the what if one a day over the over the christmas break which was a uh, i actually think a really smart move they've been trending online you know there's been a lot of conversation about it because people have the time to talk about it um but then they're dropping the echo series in mid-january as just a complete season dump all at once which is again something they don't do that is not a disney model so I can't decide if they are A-B testing things and trying to see what works or if they are um, trying to create events and moments like we used to get with Netflix when whole seasons would drop or if they have just lost the way and given up with their projects. I think all they're trying to do is make sure a share price is at the highest point when they do their earnings calls. (laughs) Cynically, I think the same. Yeah. But moving away from uh, the last thing I want to talk about on Solo, because I don't think there is a... We've spoken more about around Solo than actual Solo in this again. Yes. Because there's not actually that much to talk about with Solo because... And, and, and we've already done it once. And we've already done it once. Um, the droids. And the the droid rebellion or the droid uh, liberation. Droid emancipation. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was handled particularly well. I, th- I, I think, and I've said this before, I, I, I really want to do an episode of The Derelict talking about the ethics of droids in Star Wars. Because let me tell you, folks, shit's messed up. The, the oh, fact that you have droids who so are messed up. clearly sentient and sapient. You know, K2SO, you're going to look at K2SO and tell me that that is not a living being. You're going to look at uh, R2-D2 and, and, and say he is not fully self-aware. Uh, and, and, a, and a living being by any definition. And then at the same time, in this world, you have them being used uh, for, for, for not only dangerous and unethical things, you're using them in armies, and then you're torturing them. Jabba's Palace literally has a droid torture room in it. It's, it's, it's something I've wanted for years. It, it's going like, this is something that really should be addressed. And this is the first film which kind of out and right addresses it. And you have but the. Not well, um, not well in the slightest. As you've said, it's it's just 
another thing that's been piled into too short of a film. If this was a B-plot throughout the series of uh, Solo, like at the very end, it reached the crescendo where then you had the... Um, the uprising or something I and mean, then that's a suggestion of there'll be a spin-off series or something else where it explores that that would have been great but it's just not that it's just it's just kind of shoehorned in and yeah it, it's just a, a really really interesting idea and this whole thing with l3 then ending up being the um Oh, it's very creepy. Very creepy. The relationship between her and Lando are very creepy, period. But then also, it just puts every time now when 3PO says, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has a very peculiar uh, dialect. It just, you you, you are trying to make the Millennium Falcon more than it is. That is a very cool freighter. You're trying to give it an idea that it has a personality and it is living in in a, a literal sense rather than in an abstract sense. And I find that just a bit cringy. I feel like they looked at the TARDIS and they looked at the ships in Star Trek and were like, the Millennium Falcon just needs needs to be a bit more special. And again, I think this adds to my dislike for this stupid ship. It's a shitty freighter. It's a freighter that takes cargo backwards and forwards. There is no reason for it to be spectacular. There's nothing... There's no hint that there's anything spectacular until we start to make shit up about it, like it's got the brain of L7 in it. L7? L3? L3. L3. Not the band L7. That'd be interesting. No. Um, <laughs> it's got the brain of L3 in it. And Feeble of Rage does a great job as this robot, as this as this droid in this as well. And it's a real shame that that's, that's you know, give me a whole Lando and, and L3 series, including oh, I, the fucking creepy bits. Like, leave yes. it in, leave that ambiguity. No, I, 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 love the moment, I love the moment when she's going to jack into the computer and she goes, t- t- turn around. I, I can't do it when you're looking. Like, I love that. It's just funny. I mean, okay, it was tr- ends up just blasting the, the door to get in. But there's a lot of personality and there's a lot of fun to be had there. But it's, it's just wasted. It's wasted. Yeah. And... Again, it's not the acting talent or the even the core story idea that's wasted it. What's wasted it entirely is the fact that this is a movie and it's already two hours and fifteen minutes long. It's not as if it's short. But we didn't I'm not even gonna fucking talk about the Wookiee uprising bollocks in this, because again, we didn't need that in it either. It was that is a whole movie in itself. It is a whole film about the liberation of this mining colony for the mm-hmm. droids and for the Wookiees. Have that as a movie. That is really interesting. Have three fucking films about Han Solo if you want and you know the Han Solo Chronicles you know his uh, Han Solo does a conscription and the US Army um, you know advert Han Solo does uh, you know moon uh, mining colony liberation and then Han Solo uh, and the Marauders unintentionally he helps set up the rebellion that he refuses to join Excellent. Three movies done. Have Kira all the way through as a love interest, as a as a they tried, you know, and then have her betray him at the end, and him have to and he shoot kills her. her. Yep. <laughs> and that is when he hardens and becomes the Han Solo, is because he is then he's never going to love another woman again. Ah, oh, but in a New Hope, he meets Leia. Mm. There you go. There's a better Han Solo story. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk about Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, how can we possibly top that? So, so yeah, I, I think uh, probably good, a, a shorter episode for you all today. But you know, as we, as we mentioned, a we've done this twice now, and b there's not as much to talk about in this film. So, so we'll, we'll draw solo to an end there. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Rogue One, 
and uh, yeah, I, I, I think certainly from recollection, and of how we've already watched it, but uh, certainly from recollection, Rogue One is a much better film. So uh, let's look forward to that. Huzzah! Rogue One's one of my favourites, so um, I'm excited to, uh, to have to defend it to the hilt if I need to. We probably should have made a joke about how we'll get through this entire podcast series in only 12 parsecs, because parsecs are a unit of uh, distance and not time. And the fact they went to the extent of making this film just to explain that fluff kind of sums it up. 